Come gather round people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone Or the times they are a-changing Welcome to Green and Gold Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Oshkosh, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by Matt McLean out in Eau Claire. And the long off-season is underway. Uh, this is our first show in about a month, already only a month into the off-season, and I've already lied for how long uh, the wait would be between Green and Gold Forever shows, but hopefully you haven't suffered too much. But we are kind of waiting for some different things to talk about. In the last couple of weeks, we've had a couple of things that have arisen that we'd uh, like to address here today. And also, we're going to bring back Crossfire. So hopefully uh, that'll be something you want to hear as well. But let's start, Matt, by, uh, first of all, I don't know about you, but the NFL tries so hard to sell the offseason like it's this exciting thing. They had a Saturday where wall-to-wall on NFL Network was... The combine for kickers, offensive linemen, and tight ends. And they covered it with on-site panels and <laughs> like it was some kind of important thing. And I know they have to do something because the off-season is so much longer than their actual regular season. But even as big a fan as I am, I just cannot get hyped up for almost anything in the off-season. And quite honestly, that even includes the draft. Yeah, I can't imagine the people who watch that. I know we probably would have when we were younger when the NFL Network was just great and thought watching the Combine was awesome, but yeah. after you watch it once, that's that's about enough. Even for the quarterbacks and skill players, I mean, it's hard to watch. So, um, yeah, that's abs- <laughs> that's about the boring, most boring thing you can watch. So I, I understand it, but, I mean, the Combine's kind of... It's so silly to begin with, so to, mm-hmm. for somebody to sit down and watch hours and hours of it, I, I don't get it, but I'm sure somebody out there does it. I feel so bad for the guy who's sitting there with, like, a notebook, and he's ranking 40 times and trying to... I mean, unless you're a fly, and you can actually tell the difference between, you know, a 4.23 and a 4.24... Mm-hmm. I mean, I almost felt that same way watching the Olympics with some of the speed sports where it's like, well, gosh, I can't tell the difference between, right. you know, a run that's a hundredth of a second difference. And at least that was for, you know, worldwide acclaim, not, you know, to maybe get a seventh round draft choice uh, used on you. But anyways, a lot of the big things being talked about right now uh, in this part of NFL country is the Green Bay Packers free agent list. And... If you're a fan of the Packers, it's kind of a scary list, and maybe I haven't been paying that close of attention recently, but this is about as uh, impressive of a list of free agents that I remember seeing in quite some time. And uh, real quick, just some of the notables, Ryan Pickett, B.J. Raji, Jermichael Finley, James Jones, Sam Shields, John Kuhn, Evan Dietrich Smith, you can throw Andrew Corliss on that list, uh, Matt Flynn, Johnny Jolly. Mike Neal, and then some other notable backups like James Starks. But the free agent period does not start until March 11th, and it sounds like a lot of these guys are going to hit the market. And I did a quick check of their roster, and assuming that all of these free agents are gone, which is likely not going to be the case, there are only 14 players with a Super Bowl ring left on this roster right now. 
and what was that, three, four seasons ago now, and maybe we can talk a little bit about what they can do with these players, but I, I guess I don't know, Matt, because part of me looks at the list and I just see so many guys that I want them to keep, but then I don't know how much I would pay any of them. I mean, they have so many of these guys, like a James Jones and B.J. Raji, and quite honestly, Sam Shields, Dietrich Smith as well. You don't want to lose them, but what do you pay them? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. you. You see the names on here, and it you can't imagine losing some of these guys, but at the same point, maybe I'm wrong, but aren't most of them kind of expendable too? Mm-hmm. I mean, can't you go out there and get another guy you know, similar to what they do too? Mm-hmm. You hate to keep revolving players and keep drafting younger ones and keep kind of doing the same thing over and over again, and then you lose them after four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, it's not the—they're uh, not the players that we can't afford to lose. But if we lose all of them, obviously you're, <laughs> you're in, a, in big trouble. But I don't think that's going to happen either. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't, it's tough with a lot of them. Like Raji, I—I I, I wouldn't pay him what he's asking. You know, I don't yeah. know what all the other players are asking. But it's—it's it's a really tough situation for the Packers. Well, and especially when they're talking about the potential of being active in the free agent market this year, it almost feels, especially Sam Shields, just because, I mean, James Jones, we seem, I love James Jones, he's a great guy, Um, he's he's a fun player to root for, but it feels like we have a James Jones on our practice squad constantly since Ted Thompson has been here. I mean, if you look at what Ted has done, finding wide receivers has not been difficult, he finds good ones by accident, and... So I'm okay with letting him go. Jermichael Finley, you know, who knows what's going on with him. Pickett is, you know, 34 years old. B.J. Raji has been a disappointment and is not worth the price tag. Sam Shields feels like one that if you had to reach for somebody, I think you would reach for him because if you have to fill that cornerback role opposite Tremont Williams, even if you're active in free agency and you're targeting defense in the draft, it feels like you're taking you know, a step back to take a step forward, and then we're back at square one, except instead of having a hole at, you know, whatever, we have a hole where Sam Shields used to be. Right, yeah, and this was going to be one of my crossfire questions later, too, but we'll kind of address it now, because I was kind of curious about what you thought about that, too. I think of this whole list, I think he's the least expendable, because you look at how weak the secondary is right now, Mm -hmm. and like you said, you might have to pay him a little more than you think he's worth, but if you lose Sam Shields, pretty much all you have left is Tremont Williams and three holes around him. Although, I just remembered just this instant that Casey Hayward exists. <laughs> That's true, too. That is true. But, I mean, who knows what yeah, you're going to get exactly. there. Where Sam Shield is a guy who's proven, especially last year, that he's going to make big plays for you and, and be a pretty darn good corner at times. So, mm-hmm. that's the, really the one guy I hate to lose. And I mean, maybe just for... Uh, just for my own personal feelings, I don't want to lose Jermichael Finley either. I want to see him come back and mm-hmm. and uh, and play well again. So, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, other than that, you don't like I said, you don't want to lose everybody on this list. But there's really nobody that I think is a, a dagger to you if you lose them, other than maybe the couple of guys we talked about. And that's kind of the difficult part about this because looking at the list, the other two guys that actually three guys that really stand out to me. Well, now that now that I say that, I'm going to say four is. I'm not sure you can just replace them that easily, but I don't understand how they'll ever take a contract that is equal to what they're worth to the team. And those guys are John Kuhn, Andrew Corliss, uh, Matt Flynn, and Mike Neal. And honestly, you could throw Jolly in there depending on his health. Uh, I know he had a kind of a neck injury scare towards the end of last year, but 
I mean, not that any of these guys are world beaters, especially, you know, like um, James Starks and um, Mike Neal. I don't know if I said James Starks the first time, but now him too. These guys are not worth probably what they want or even close what they want. But finding another James Starks to spell Eddie Lacy is not as easy as just using a fifth-round pick on any old guy out of Ball State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to get that kind of production. The same for Mike Neal, and I know maybe they have plans in the draft or whatever, but holy cow, is it terrifying me, the idea of losing Matt Flynn after what happened last year. Right. Yeah, that's one guy you definitely want to try to keep, and, and hopefully the price tag might act, might actually be kind of low this time. I don't think anybody's going to want to pay him again, so mm-hmm. might actually be able to keep him on reasonably. Um, the one guy that kind of scares me going into this is John Kuhn, because I'm just really mm-hmm. terrified that the Packers are going to overpay for him, just because mm-hmm. he's such a fan favorite. And they've been pretty good at being almost cold about those kind of things in the past and not really listening to public opinion. But mm-hmm. to me, I, I love John Kuhn. He's great, but I think you can get another one of them. <laughs> Yeah, um, and his last name's not going to be as fun to chant. But he can probably <laughs> do a lot of the similar things that he does for us. So I hope that's not a guy that they tie up a ton of money into. It also might be a guy that might not honestly have a big market for him. So yeah. he might just take anything to stay. Um, he's one of those guys that I mean I won't go to the Troy Aikman route where I think he said a line last year where you know you'd have a great team if you had eleven John Coons, which was about one of the stupidest things I've ever heard anybody <laughs> say. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers gets sacked on that Randall Cobb play if, uh, yep. if you don't have a heady guy like John Kuhn on the on the field. So, you know, how do you pay for a smart guy who really overachieves his athletic ability? Um, you know, how do you price that? And I guess that's why they give guys like Ted the big bucks. Yeah, and I am looking at NFL.com's free agency ratings, and he's the fifth-ranked fullback. So oh, there's not a whole lot of teams that use fullbacks anymore. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> Amongst maybe the seven we... teams that use fullbacks, Coons the fifth best. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe uh, some of these guys can uh, come back. Uh, guys like Seneca Wallace, who really cares. Um, Ryan Pickett, I absolutely love. Um, he's one of those guys that um, I, I'm trying. I was trying to think of somebody to compare him to, like maybe like Brian Williams, just like a really good guy that was on your team for a million years and nobody ever really appreciated or thought much about him. But he started every week, and you never really were worried about him being a liability, but you never really thought of him as a strength. Right. And, you know, it's just one of those guys that if you're a longtime fan of a team, your history is littered with, and, and the fact that he's probably going to leave is, is kind of a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. But, and I haven't looked all that much at the overall free agent list. I, I You always hear the rumors with kind of the hot commodities. Uh, somewhere people were saying that the Packers should make a run at Jimmy Graham. Um I, I got excited when I heard about the prospect of Ted Thompson being active in free agency, and I've been calling for it for a long time, but once you actually see the list out there, I'm not sure there's anybody that turns the team around, you know, in the spring. Yeah. Um, I mean, offensively, I completely agree. I don't think there's anybody out there. You know, bar, you know, barring if they don't re-sign Finley, obviously you want to go out and get somebody there or mm-hmm. draft somebody. But in terms of the defensive side of the ball, I think there's some guys that could really help out. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's holes all over the defense. So I <laughs> I definitely think that no matter what position they they would look at on defense, I think they've got some options. And that's what I've heard too is that um, you know looking at getting rid of BJ Raji or letting him walk, I guess potentially here mm-hmm. is just getting the defense smaller and faster, which is what Dom Capers like. 
mm-hmm. likes and, and has been successful with in the past. So if you maybe have a little bit of free agent turnover, do something with that defense because it hasn't worked what you've been doing. You know, if they can get in a few, you know, good pass rushers or, or some good safeties, I mean, there's some good players out there that I think could turn this defense around pretty quickly. Uh, is there anyone in particular that you would really like to see them uh, make a run at, even if they potentially had to reach a little bit? Um, well, I mean, there's there's some good defensive ends out there. I mean, some are older, but, I mean, you've got Michael Johnson, Lamar Houston, Michael Bennett are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Henry Melton is at defensive tackle, so maybe if you lose B.J. Raji. Um, some decent linebackers. I, I guess nobody there that's really catching my eye. But um, uh, safeties and corners, I think, are big. You've got Eltron Werner, Akeem Tlaib, Vontae Davis, Jarius Bird, T.J. Ward. Mm-hmm. Um so I guess, to me, there's a lot of players there that you could plug in instantly, and this defense becomes a whole lot better. I would love to get T.J. Ward. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of his. Um, another guy, I'm wondering the market for him, um, and I, I don't know what his, you know, what the Vikings are doing, but there's no doubt in my mind, he probably wouldn't work in this offense, but there's no doubt in my mind that if he was on our team, Jared Allen would instantly become, like, one of my favorite Packers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, if you could get him at a bargain kind of old guy price, I know he's only like 31, but, you know, he's probably looking for a much bigger contract than the GMs sure. are willing to give him. Uh, yep. th- that wouldn't be a bad thing, and he's lean enough where I bet he could make the transition to a stand-up line, uh, blitzing linebacker pretty darn easily. Yeah, I, th- I think that's one that's going to require a lot of money, but I guess with any of the names I mentioned, they might too. So, I mean, he's somebody that you would expect to never really not produce. I mean, he, mm-hmm. it's just the kind of guy he is. He's always around, like, the 15 sack mm-hmm. mark. And yeah, he's on pace to be third best all time when he retires right now. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he's going to slow down in the next couple of years here either. So, you might have to drop some money on him, but it might be worth it too. So, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I, but I think overall, I think there's a lot of good players out there on defense. I, I don't want them to pay money for Eric Decker. <laughs> yeah, that seems like something they would do, though. It's like, <laughs> uh, I would go. I wouldn't give up a sack of potatoes for that guy. No, after watching the Super Bowl, and I mean watching a lot of Broncos games last year, I don't think they'll sign a receiver, but I, I can picture it. I guess. Yeah, uh, that would be <laughs> that would be horrible. Somebody's gonna over. He's gonna wind up in Jacksonville or Houston or or somewhere that somebody that's. Apparently, I just think the AFC South is filled with bad football teams <laughs> that overpay players, but yeah. that, that, that seems warranted after the last few years. Mm-hmm. All right, I, I don't think we ought to speculate too much more on free agency because, what, 10 days from now we'll be completely wrong about everything, so right. may as well save our breath. The other big story that has come out recently, and, and that it was not supposed to be a pun, but it's going to be, is Michael Sam. And... He's going to be the first openly gay player in the NFL. And not that we want to go too in-depth with this, because I don't like being kind of a politics, kind of Fox Newsy sort of show, but um, I guess I, I just wanted to hear your quick thoughts on it. You don't have to go too in-depth or anything about it, but um, this just seems like another... Not that not that NFL players are not accepting or whatever, but it, it just seems in recent years with kind of the concussion culture and especially with the Richie Incognito and the bullying, the Greg Williams scandal, where the kind of sacred, old-school, hard-nosed, you know, NFL locker room is being challenged on all fronts. And I think uh, somewhat a lot of the resistance to the Michael Sam uh, story has been in that vein, and I guess I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on this story. Yeah, I'm almost surprised something like that hasn't happened sooner. I mean, with how much media coverage 
we have in the locker room and reporters in there constantly, you almost wonder how something like this didn't happen sooner where stories are getting out about this. I guess it took a guy just walking out on his team to do it. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of the Michael Sam stuff, I, I don't know what you really say. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. what are people in the locker room going to do? I, I don't know. I think you kind of just deal with it and get along with it, even if you're not comfortable. Mm-hmm. I don't think his teammates are going to come out and speak against it. We've already had a couple of um, players kind of say they wouldn't feel comfortable. But, yeah. I mean, this is going to happen, and, and whether these players like it or not, it's, it has happened. They've probably been in the locker room with plenty of gay players with mm-hmm. them. Um, so, I mean, things are just going to keep changing. It, it's how the world works here. So I think some <laughs> of these old-school players are just going to ha- kind of have to swallow their pride and, and get over it. So... I, I don't know. I don't have anything to add that hasn't already been said, but mm-hmm. I, I think it's good that what he's doing, and I think it's a, a big step for the NFL. And, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. The the biggest thing I've heard is people bring up kind of the shower situation and all that kind of stuff. And, and to me, and maybe it's because the players in the NFL are so much older and people our age and younger seem to be, you know, I think it goes with every generation. They're more accepting of of kind of uh, different ways to live your life and uh, different backgrounds and things like that. Uh, but the fact that his Missouri teammates knew in August and none of them had a problem with him and none of them outed him without you know his permission, I think is telling that it's not going to be a big deal. And it, it's one of those things more so than kind of the bullying and the man up kind of at uh, – I guess mentality in the locker room is that um, I have zero sympathy for anyone who has a problem with Michael Sam. Um, you know, get up with the times. It's right. it, it's ridiculous. So, and I think for the most part, most players are going to be absolutely fine with it. Right, I think so too. All right. Uh, the other story uh, that has come out recently is. The NFL once again exploring the idea of the seven-team playoff. And a lot of people are thinking this is a response to their failure to convince many people that the 18-game season is a good idea. Uh, so they're going to add the revenue that way by adding seven teams to the playoffs. Uh, one report said it could happen as early as 2015, so after this next season. And we talked about this a little bit last year or the year before um, kind of analyzing what that would be like. And first of all, the format they're going to use is if they decided to have a seven-team each conference playoff, 14 teams total, what the playoff weekend would look like is the wildcard round would now have six games. They would have the same, the well, where is central time, so adjust it accordingly for wherever you're listening from. The 3.30 start on Saturday, then the 7 o'clock game. On Sunday, the noon game, the 3.30 game, then a 7 o'clock night game on NBC, and then the final game would be on ESPN on the Monday Night Football time slot. Mm. Um, I guess before we analyze the likelihood of good teams getting a chance to be in, a la the Cardinals this year, versus bad teams being... Uh, included when they shouldn't be. What are your thoughts on that potential uh, television makeup of a 17 playoff? Well, and I'm sure they would configure it in a way that would work, but playing on Monday night seemed like it would be a huge disadvantage, then, especially if you had to come back and play again the next Saturday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they would ensure that those teams wouldn't have to play until Sunday. Um, it probably has to be the 4-5 game or, yeah. or something. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of strange. I mean, it's, it's an extra day of playoff football. I, 
in a whole different conversation. I don't like adding a seventh team, but I guess in terms of the playoff TV schedule, I, I think that would work, I guess. Well, I, I the, the question I have is when they talk about using the Monday night football time slot, are they talking the actual Monday night football time slot or just a Monday night game? If it's a Monday night game that starts at, you know, 7 o'clock Central or 6.30 Central, I would be fine with that. But if they put it in the traditional Monday night time slot with a, you know, 7.45, almost nine, you know, quarter to 9 Eastern time slot, I cannot tell you the last time I stayed up to watch the end of a non-Packer Monday night game. Um, I guess I can, but it was the the Ravens Lions. But the reason I remember it is because I think it was the only one that that I stayed to watch the end of it. Most of them, I'm tired of watching it by the third quarter. I'm burnt out from the weekend before, and the thought of having to stay up 11 midnight on the East Coast to see the end of the playoff game on a work night is not something that I think would be very good. Right, but I I think the main thing the NFL is thinking about is imagine the ratings for that. I mean, yeah. one, a Monday night game, I mean, those get good enough ratings as is, but a playoff game, I mean, that's going to be a huge event, and I'm sure that's exactly what they're thinking about. Well, and then for ESPN, they get to chase it the next week with the national championship game. Right. Or, well, how would that work? The national championship game is usually right after Wild Card Weekend on Monday night. Hmm. Oh, but oh, but that maybe is all changing with the, uh, the playoff. This, oh, right, it might so. be a little bit later. So maybe that'll incorporate quite nicely, actually. All right, of course, I'm me, so I looked up the numbers. Uh, I had some of them that I put together in a piece. Uh, I think it was 2012 that we talked about it, so you can read that on the website. There's an Eric's Blogs or something tab on the website. If you click on that, you can read the original piece. But I broke down the numbers, and the big thing people are that are in favor of the new playoff we're talking about is teams like the Arizona Cardinals, uh, the Bears in 2012, who were excluded from the playoffs despite being pretty good teams. And I looked back at the last 24 seasons, which is since 1990 when they instituted the six-team per conference, 12-team playoff format. And 10-win teams to get snubbed from the playoffs has happened in eight seasons. Um, uh, 91 it happened, and then it did not happen again until 2003, and then it happened almost every other year. 2003, 5, 7, 8, 10, 12, and 13. So that's quite a lot recently, which maybe suggests there's more of a problem with the four-division uh, format than there is with the six-team format. But maybe, maybe that's a discussion for another day. So that's eight times in 24 years, or once in every three seasons, a 10-win team is excluded from the playoffs. On the other end of it, had there been a seven-team playoff since 1990, 15 times in 24 seasons there would have been an 8-8 eight and eight team making the playoffs. No more than two straight seasons without an 8-8 eight and eight team making the playoffs. So they would have made the playoffs in 90, 91, 93, 95, 98, 99, 01, 04, 06, 07, 08, 2010, 11, 12, and 13 would have all seen eight-win teams in the playoffs had there been a 14-team, seven-per-conference format since 1990. And I hope somebody in the NFL is looking at that numbers. those numbers. I don't think they care because the... Dollar numbers are obviously going to be much more important to them, but as a fan of the NFL and history, the fact that you are basically guaranteed an 8-8 eight and eight team in the playoffs every other year 
is something that I'm not very comfortable with. Well, right, and without that seventh team, they barely ever make it. So, yeah. I mean, that that's a huge difference there, and I agree. I don't think a team that's 500 should be in the playoffs. I, I think that's one of the big things that people love about the NFL so much more is every game counts, mm-hmm. and you don't have bad teams in the playoffs for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at the NBA, and there's five teams in the East that are under 500 <laughs> that make it every year, and, yeah. and the playoffs just aren't as good until they dwindle it down to the final, you know, four teams in each conference, so mm-hmm. that's what you're already getting with the NFL. I feel like it's going to happen. It's a, probably a, you know, just a matter of time, but I completely agree with you. I don't want to see teams like that in the playoffs. And, I mean, other than eight and eight teams, I mean, we're going to probably get some seven and nine teams in there, too, at some mm-hmm. point again as well, so there's going to be some really bad teams in. Yeah, and actually in 1990, um, if the 17-team format, format was going, a 6-10 and 10 team would have made wow. the playoffs. Uh, that year, so I'm sure that these numbers mean nothing to those who are making these decisions, but I mean, Seattle, as much as they annoy me, and Pete Carroll is kind of a dweeb, it was refreshing to see a team that you could make an argument for being one of the ten best Super Bowl champions uh, mm-hmm. this year, after seeing Baltimore and the Giants, and quite honestly, the 2010 Packers winning Super Bowls, it it was refreshing to see a dominant team. And once we start letting more people in, I mean, Pittsburgh would have made the playoffs this year. A team that was, you know, 6-8 and coming into Lambeau to play the backup quarterback-led Packers, you know, they would have made it. I mean, just think of all these crummy teams that would have made the playoffs. Surely, in the modern NFL, one of those, maybe every other decade, is going to win the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. I mean, ugh. Ugh, I, I, I hate the I hate the thought of watching five months to see an eight and eight team win the Super Bowl. Uh, but I, I, I guess if but if the Packers do it, it'll probably be the greatest thing that ever happened. Yep. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So those are the issues that are occurring here in the boring NFL offseason. Do you want to talk uh, forty times of the offensive lineman a couple Saturdays ago? Well, I've got them all written down right here in front of me, so we might as well. Uh, let's go line by line. <laughs> or, or perhaps, um, well, we're going to do crossfire, but we have to do one more thing that's even worse than the wall-to-wall coverage of the combine. It's even worse than concussions or bullying or bigoted teammates or the 17 playoffs. And that is Nike's presence in the NFL, and namely... Their uniforms that they're designing that seem to be specifically purposed to make me not like pro football anymore. Uh, their latest creation is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniforms that look a lot like, uh, who was it? Maybe the Las Vegas uh, Outlaws of the XFL. Uh, just disgusting. And um, not to put words in your mouth, but I, I thought you pretty much felt the same. Yeah, I okay, so I saw the the main picture that uh was on the website. It seems to be the only thing I found and actually mm-hmm. I, I just found a new picture of their their home uniforms too. But I mean Ooh, I haven't seen so those disgusting. yet. I'll have to look at Oh, that they're up. so bad. And I felt the same thing with Jacksonville last year. Um and I just think the NFL is a whole different animal than, say, college football, because you have teams like, I mean, quite frankly, Oregon didn't have a tr- ton of tradition coming mm-hmm. into their whole Nike era. But you're taking teams um and just making them look like arena football teams. Yeah. And, um, I mean, these uniforms just look disgusting. The homes are a little better than the roads. They're they're kind of similar to what they have now with just the pewter shoulders. But 
Oh, man. I mean, Jacksonville's uniforms are disgusting, and these ones are bad. I mean, at least for the most part, they're doing it to teams without a lot of history. I guess if you're going to screw somebody up, do it to these teams <laughs> that nobody cares about. But, I mean, as soon as they do it to a team, you know, with, with historic uniforms, if they try to do that, um, I, it's going to be a much bigger story. But, I mean, yeah, I hate these uniforms. I just saw yeah. them, too, and it's, ugh. I mean... And I love how they, they, they throw the splash of orange in there, and I heard them bragging about, oh, man, now we've honored the heritage with the splash of orange in there. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, that, that logo is like swallowing the helmet. It's, I mean, maybe they're trying to do something new, but if they ever come for the Packers uniforms, I'll probably have a stroke. I mean... And I know that I'm, I'm different than you in this regard, that I like Seattle's uniforms and I like Oregon's uniforms. I know you just don't like them all. Um, yeah. Oregon, I, I, Seattle's I don't like. I hate Oregon's. Oregon's are worse than Jacksonville's. And they, ha- they if they play 12 games, they have 12 different uniforms. I'm like, what the heck is that? I mean, as a marketer, that drives me insane. I mean, I hate turning on a college football game and they don't have the scoreboard bar up yet and I don't know who's playing. Um, but I mean, maybe as a more impartial judge, then I I like those uniforms, but I can't stand these. These road to- uniforms are just disgusting. So um, I, I don't know. They're for somebody out there, but they're not for me. <laughs> I said on the Facebook page that I'm waiting for them to to have the Packers uniforms where they the helmet is either orange or uh, not not orange, uh, gold or green or blue, depending on uh, the the heat or the sunshine, kind of like a mood ring. I'm expecting that to be a Packer uniform somewhere and, down there. And I'll say here, I, I don't think these Buccaneers home uniforms are super bad. Have you seen the red ones yet? Yep, I, I'm, I'm looking at them right now. I mean, but, they're not as bad as the road ones, but they're still just... It just looks like they, they don't even they don't even match with the rest of what's going on there. It's like the numbers are all busted up, and there's some some white here and some orange there. They're just I don't know. We we're both probably way more into uniforms than the normal football <laughs> and care more about this stuff here. I feel like we both probably be living the dream if we worked for that uni world. The website, u- the gridiron uniform database. Yeah, well, there's a couple of them out there too. Okay. Yeah. That, oh, uni watch is the other uni watch. That's one. the one I was thinking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm sure they'll have something to say about this, too. But, uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> I, I was looking. Uh, Gridiron Uniform Database has a blog, and I I haven't uh, seen if he's posted anything about this yet. But he's a very much a traditionalist. He's, he's posted on there multiple times that his favorite uniform combination in the history of sports is Bears at Packers mm-hmm. with, the, with the, the, the dark pants Bears against the Packers' homes. And I'd like to see what he has to say, but if, if any of you care about pro football uniforms, he's got them all the way back to 1920 at a Gridiron Uniform database. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's like the best site ever, so go <laughs> spend some time there. All right, so with that, let's have some Crossfire. That signifies the beginning of Crossfire, a segment where Matt and I rapidly debate topics that we have pre-selected for one another, but the other person does not know about them. It's it's one of the most exciting things your ears will probably ever hear. So <laughs> um, let's get right into it. Matt, I think I'll start this time. 
Where does Adrian Peterson rank all time amongst NFL running backs? Ooh, that's a good one. He's definitely top five for me, but I mean, it's a tough question for somebody who's 26 years old because I mean, we never got to see Jim Brown or, or Walter Payton really or any of those guys, but mm-hmm. I mean, at least in terms of what I've seen, the players that I've seen, he's in my top three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put him right along with Barry Sanders and Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess so all time, you, you probably have to throw Jim Brown and Walter Payton in there. Um, but I think he's well on his way to being top five all time by the time he retires. Yeah, I think he's definitely top ten all time. And granted, the same as you, I'm only you know five months older than you, and so obviously I didn't see a lot of '60s football while you were you're not born yet. But I think I will say top ten. I'll plead ignorance on guys like Jim Brown and O.J. Simpson and uh, Earl Campbell, guys like that. But I've seen a ton, and, and even recently, um, I've seen a ton of guys like Ladanian Tomlinson, uh, Barry Sanders, Emmett Smith, and he's right there with all those guys. Uh, I don't know if he's quite like Barry Sanders, where he just completely can't... I mean, he takes over a game, but maybe not quite in as many different ways as Barry Sanders. Um, Emmett Smith is one of those guys where Emmett would take over games, but... I I I feel like amongst Packer fans, I fight harder than anybody to defend Emmett Smith for having good teammates. But but you can't deny that when you're ranking him with other running backs and things like that is where a lot of Dallas's big big games. And if anybody else out there somewhere is a collector of games like me, watch all the Dallas big games. And it starts their first drive is Troy Aikman's seven step drop bomb to Irvin all the way down the field for a one yard Emmett Smith touchdown run. They almost always started passing the ball, and then they would let Emmett kind of salt it away. And I think Adrian Peterson is much more valuable to the Vikings than than Emmett was. So I think I agree with you. Um, I would put him ahead of LT. I would put him probably ahead of Emmett Smith. Barry Sanders is one where I think they're close. Uh, so as far as the guys I've seen, uh, he's easily the top two or three and all-time comfortably top ten, debatably top five. Yeah, I'll put him. T- I'll put him at three for now, but I think potential to probably be number one from what I've seen when he's done. Yeah. All right. Uh, my first question for you here, Eric, is I'm going to make you re-sign an ex-Packer that's available right now. Oh. You have to either sign to the current Packers team, Frank Zombo, <laughs> Nick Barnett, Desmond Bishop, okay. Will Blackman, uh, or Nick Collins. Uh, are we assuming Nick Collins is Nick Collins, or am I have to no, take? He's, the... he's whatever Nick Collins is right now. You... Oh, <laughs> so Nick I don't Collins know what he is. <laughs> um, I'm tempted to say Will Blackman, but Micah Hyde really kind of negates his X factor yeah. um, because he seems to be a pretty good returner. Um. The easy one, if he's healthy, is Nick Collins. Right. But I think not knowing what his health is, I will take Nick Barnett. Uh, He does more for your team than Desmond Bishop does. He's a little bit older, but he's also a little smarter. Um, As much as I liked Desmond Bishop, he didn't create plays as well as Nick Barnett did. So um, obviously the best dance goes to Frank Zombo with the Zorro sack dance. But I think the unknowns considered about Nick Collins... Um, I guess I'd take the Weasley way and hedge my bets on Nick Barnett. 
Yeah, I th- I think I'm I'm kind of torn on this one too. I think I would say Nick Collins in actuality, even if you don't get anything from him, just because I think the other guys are for the most part kind of worthless. Sure. Um, but I I take I guess Desmond Bishop just because and maybe a little younger and you might get some production out of him. I, I guess I wanted Nick Barnett off the team when he was still here, so I don't want him back. <laughs> um, I guess I would take Desmond Bishop. What if he has the giant hair though? Oh, that's I, I and and the sacula teeth in his mouth. <laughs> I think he still wears those, doesn't he? Uh, probably, yeah. I, I are still... you talking about Desmond Bishop? No, 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 no. I was I'm talking about Nick Barnett. Yeah. I still have the XLV or die shirt, which luckily they won, so I I did not have to die. Uh, Good so th- fan moment for me one time. Um, I went to a Nick Barnett autograph signing, and he signed my hat for me, and I said, thanks, Nick, and he said, no problem, man. So I'll, <laughs> I'll always remember that, so maybe I'll, I'll change my mind and say Nick Barnett. Sounds like you guys made quite a connection. We did. We made eye-to-eye contact and just really had a moment. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, then bring him back. Maybe he'll remember. <laughs> By the way, I just saw that the, the Buccaneers actually have the gray or whatever charcoal burnt toast pants uh, with those, so ugh, I hate them even worse. Uh, although 1980s digital clocks will be very happy to see their numbers return. All right. Um, of all the teams that are of all of the Packer teams that we have seen, you and I, so roughly the last 25 years, um, give or take a few years, of all of those that did not win a championship, which do you wish? Would have won a championship. Okay. So of all Packer teams that didn't win, which one do I wish would have won? Yes. Okay. Um, for me, it's between, in the last how many years am I going for here? Any that we have seen in okay. our lifetime. It's definitely between 07 and 03 for me, mm-hmm. personally, here. Um... Man, you could even throw 11 in there, too, but it just ended with such a dud, I kind of forget about that team sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to say that 07 team, mm-hmm. although I, they're both just neck and neck, but it just seemed like such a magical run in, um, you know, Brett's last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And there, there were so many great games that year. I think that's the one I choose. And I think that Giants loss is the most painful one for me in my, my Packer fan history. So I, I guess if they could have won that one and then won the Super Bowl against New England, that probably would have been the best for me. Yeah, and those are two, um, those are probably the two that are on par with me as well. Uh, a little bit of a nod, like you said, to 2011, but also to 1997, uh, because then you get the dynasty factor yeah. involved if, if either of those teams win. But, you know, the the 97 team you expected to be great, and then they just kind of deflated at the end. It was still a really enjoyable ride. Um, t- 2011 had the horrible playoffs, but, you know, I, I can't remember a team that I was so confident would win by 20 points every week than 2011. And, and it felt more like an extension of the 2010 team, where the 2010 was a fluke, where even though 11 flamed out, 11 at least justified 10 as they weren't the Giants. They were actually a really good team. Mm-hmm. Um, those two are so tough for me. Uh, 2003, um, as much as Brett is kind of dogged on now and people kind of think less of him, that team was so fun to watch. Amon Green almost having a 2,000-yard rushing season. That team was backed from the dead ten times. Um, uh, and and for for me personally, I mean, Favre had the you know the the dad game, and, and you know I lost my father just three years before that, so that was you know still a moment that gives me chills. Uh, 2007 though, 
everything that we feel about Favre now, how different would it be had they won the Super Bowl in 2007? Oh yeah, completely. I mean, even the the stuff with the Vikings wouldn't have hurt as bad because you. Uh, I mean, first it might not have happened, but even if it did play out the exact same way, uh, which it, it conceivably could have, um, we I, I just feel that would be a lot less stressful had we had the two in the bank with Favre instead of the prospect of him tying what he did in Green Bay in one year with the Vikings. Right. Um, so I will say 2007 as well, although I will give a slight uh, acknowledgement to 2008 because... I remember that first game of that season after everything. It seemed like the world was against the Packers that first go-round, having gotten rid of Brett Favre. And I didn't. I, I can't remember rooting as hard for a player as I did for Aaron Rodgers that first game of the 20, uh, 2008 season. And he played great all year, and it felt like everybody just dogged on him for the team kind of failing when it really wasn't his fault at all. Uh, but definitely 07, I'll agree. Sure, I, I was gonna say, why not, why not be a jerk about it and pick a year where they were just awful? Cause then, if you would have picked 05, that'd have been great for like 12 years straight. So, <laughs> if you pick a year where they were terrible and didn't have a chance, that might actually be your best way to go. 05 would have spared us of that awful Steelers Seahawks Super Bowl. Winning a Super Bowl with Sam Congato. <laughs> yes! Alright, I think it's your turn. Alrighty, alright, my next one here um, is you're the Houston Texans and you have the number one overall pick in the draft. I'm your owner and I'm telling you that you have to take a quarterback. Who's your franchise quarterback? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't think I could take Johnny Football. Um, I, I guess I don't know because... He is one, uh, he just looks so darn small out there, and I looked him up, he's almost identically sized to Russell Wilson. Uh, so, but I just think he's a tough, uh, I, I don't know his, how his attitude is going to translate. Um, maybe Bortles out of Central Florida. Um, Blake, is it Blake Bortles? Yep. Um, yep. Although that's kind of a novice uh, opinion of mine, because I literally saw him play one game. Uh, there, so, gosh, um, I am the only, you know what, I might just take Johnny Football because I'm the Houston Texans and I want to get people excited about what's going on, he's going to be an exciting player, if I'm trying to sell tickets, I'm getting uh, Johnny Football, um, if I'm trying to build a franchise, I'm, I think I might get Blake Bortles. Yeah, I think definitely with the, the defense that they have built, which is pretty darn good, I, I mean, you should be able to plug somebody in like Mansell and be successful if he can just make some offense happen, but the thing that scares me... He can't me have turnovers, gonna, though. Right, he's going to throw 100 interceptions in his first season, because he's going to just think he can throw it up, which maybe he can to Andre Johnson, but mm-hmm. um, I guess, I don't I don't get the whole Bortles thing. I, I saw the one game he was in, and from everything I hear, he doesn't have great arm strength. He didn't play at a great school. He doesn't have I mean, he's a big guy, but it's like everything I hear is like, well, he doesn't have this and this, but he projects well <laughs> as a project. It's like, that doesn't seem like he has anything, so yeah. I, I, I don't get it. But I guess if I'm Houston, I'd probably take Manziel as well, but I think okay. Teddy Bridgewater might be your best sure. bet to start right away. But I I don't know, Manziel, I like watching him play, so I guess I'd take him. And I guess with Bortles, the reason I'm kind of believing the hype is because I was one of those, for the longest time, I thought that, Andrew Luck wasn't going to be very good because I just see him and it, I felt like every time I watched Stanford it was nothing but crossing routes. 
Mm-hmm. Like, oh, he's throwing crossing routes. And, and he was accurate, but it just didn't feel like it was anything different than a hundred other guys we had seen. Uh, he didn't look any better than Sam Bradford or, or anything like that. And then, you know, they talked about X Factor and things like that, and he turned out being good. So I guess I'm going to defer to the Mike Mayox of the world right. and say that maybe they're on to something. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess it's my turn now. Um, all right, uh, excluding Lambeau Field, which NFL stadium, past or present, would you like to see a game at? Ooh, um, I don't even know what the name of it is anymore, and I should, but the the Seahawks Stadium would be really awesome to see a game at. Uh, CenturyLink Field, I think? Yeah, I don't think it's anymore. I'll, I'll Google it while I'm thinking <laughs> of other things. To, <laughs> here, um, man, that's really tough. Um, you'd like to get something more historic than that. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I mean, being a Packer fan, I'm so biased. I would kill to see a game at at City Stadium back in the old <laughs> Green Bay East High School. But, yeah. Um, hmm. I guess I would like to see... Man, I'm not even leaning towards anything in particular <laughs> here. Um, I guess I would say maybe old Soldier Soldier Field before they did it, and see a see a Packer Bear game right before it turned into a spaceship. <laughs> and I think you're right. I think it is CenturyLink Field now. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. And I guess part of me when I think about the modern stadiums is I can't not imagine myself in a Packer jersey getting stuff thrown at me. Right. Um, but I think there's a number one. I think uh, uh, Soldier Field is a great one. The the other one that I was thinking, despite the Packers having, I don't think, maybe once in the entire history of the building they won there, um, I would have loved to have watched a game at Texas Stadium. Sure. Uh, it, it seems like it's a historic stadium. Uh, there is a ton of stuff to happen there. Uh, it's in a you know, a, a warm part of the country, and it doesn't feel like something like RFK in Washington, which is kind of on my list, or Soldier Field, or Candlestick, where it looks like it would be cool and have character and things like that, and then you get there and it's just a dump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I would say that. It's not really an NFL stadium. Um, I, I think I would have liked to see, like, the Packers 62 championship game at Yankee Stadium, I think would have been, like, really yeah. cool. Uh, to watch a football game in old Yankee Stadium. And uh, the Rose Bowl is not a stadium, but I really wish they would change their rule about requiring the Super Bowl to be at an NFL stadium because uh, they had a number of Super Bowls at the Rose Bowl. And, yeah. I mean, I think even now for the college game, it, it just looks big time in that building, especially if it has a late afternoon that you know turns to night over the course of halftime. A game looks important at the Rose Bowl, and I would love to have seen one of those old uh, 70s or 80s Super Bowls at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I thought about that one, too, for the Rose Bowl. It's The NFL's kind of weird in that regard. Is You know, in baseball, you have all these stadiums which are just considered super historic, whereas really mm-hmm. in the NFL, you don't have that many. It seems like they go through them a little bit faster, but really Lambeau is is kind of the pinnacle. There's really nothing else that even seems close to it. I don't know if that's just because we're Packer fans, but mm-hmm. they just none of them get that kind of historic marker. I mean, Arrowhead's been around for a while, and Candlestick was around for a while, mm-hmm. but they just don't get that same, you know, Wrigley, Fenway, Yankee Stadium kind of a thing. You mean you don't get the warm and fuzzies about the 47-year-old Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, I agree, though. I, I think um, baseball's done a much better job through the years of really turning their parks into icons, whereas the NFL, it was just the place surrounding the field of play. Uh, They spent more of their time 
making icons out of the players. Not that baseball hasn't done that, but it's kind of the total package and the old, you know, weird looking fast motion video from the 19 teens that baseball kind of, uh, rests its entire history on where the NFL is, is more the men more so than the arena. Yep. Uh, do you have any other uh, crossfires, Matt? No, I think I'm cashed. Okay, uh, me too. Uh, well, I, I have some others, but um, I'll save them for down the road. I'm sure we'll have another one someday. All right, so that about does it for this edition of Green and Gold Forever. Um, hopefully we can talk to you again in the relative near future. Um, we're going to have, we'll, we'll do some, if you have any ideas for Crossfire, or I know we have a what if uh, sitting on the Facebook page that hopefully we can do soon. I'd like to do another revisited episode uh, relatively soon as well, so maybe I'll address that on there. Uh, thank you for uh Listening to the podcast, I know uh, recently, uh, right around the Super Bowl, we've had uh, quite a number of uh, new listeners uh, check out the page and everything, and I, I hope you're continuing to do so. Stick with us during the off season. I promise. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we'll have more episodes, and maybe I'll even uh, get off the couch and, and write a couple of things that I've been promising for pretty much the entire history of Green and Go Forever. <laughs> uh, maybe uh, someday I'll tell everybody about how weird 1999 was and all those other lists I keep promising, but uh, just. Uh, keep interacting with the page. Anything football-related you want to talk about, Matt and I are always up for a good football conversation, so throw it on the Facebook page, uh, Green and Gold Forever Podcast on Facebook, and uh, we'll debate you all day about just about anything in the history of the NFL. So uh, keep that in mind, and keep supporting the show. Uh, if you'd like to comment on this, definitely do it on the Facebook page. Um, you can also send us an email at greenandgoldpodcast uh, at gmail.com. So just keep us in mind, and uh, hopefully this offseason doesn't take too long because it's only been about a month, but I really want to see some meaningful football games. Mm-hmm. All right, so everybody take care. Uh, we'll talk to you sometime in the relatively near future. Uh, have a great, I guess, rest of the winter. Uh, soon it'll be warm, soon there'll be drafts, soon there'll be football, and everything will be b- back to normal. So take care, everyone.